What's up, y'all? And welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. Back here on Tuesday, September 10th, 2019, the NFL preview show is finally finished and we're moving on to good things. I wouldn't say bigger or better, but good things here. Uh, Plenty to talk about. Uh, probably not too much to get to from week one on our end because it's been a full month since we've done baseball coverage, at least four weeks uh, since I spoke with Jonathan Jaggard and we talked a lot about the American League race. So it's time to get our feet wet and get back and talking about Major League Baseball. And along with me for the ride today, I have an excellent guest. It's been Oh man, over a ye- almost a year since I had him back here last time, right? Yeah, uh, I think our playoff preview was last year's playoff preview. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and that was right before I had to take a 3-month break for my health. So that was like the last episode we had for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, the newly married Jamie Hill. How are you doing, Jamie? I am doing great. This is a fantastic time of year. Uh, baseball's heating up, football's getting underway. It, it doesn't get better than this. Best of all, it was like 90 degrees out today, which is my kind of weather. Yeah, I I don't love that it gets cold. I'm more of a summer <laughs> guy as well, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> is this too hot for you? Is 90 too hot? Are you more of like an 80-degree guy or 75? No, 85, 90 is great for me as long as it's not too humid. Like, if I'm, like, sweating bullets, but, like, I like it hot. It felt kind of breezy today. It wasn't that humid. Yeah, it's, uh, it was really muggy here in, here in Wisconsin, Uh so that was kind of, kind of gross, but, and it rained a lot this morning. It stormed this morning, but. Yes, and Jamie, I made sure to let everyone know you, uh, tied the knot with, your bride, Emma, and that was three oh four months ago now. Was that four months ago? Yeah, coming up on four months ago. It's uh it's been a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun wedding. I was one of the groomsmen. It was a great time. Yeah, it was it was a good time. We uh everybody seemed to really like what was going on and marriage is one of those things that uh it's not easy, but it is really rewarding. So <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, we've got plenty to get to today, but before we get into everything baseball related, we got to talk about Antonio Brown. What a mess. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> How about the Raiders last night getting the victory despite all of that noise? They cut ties, they got rid of the bad, and here, I want to say something before we talk about fully Antonio Brown and what this all is going to mean. I had a text on Sunday from one of my friends, and he said, dude, the Raiders are a total mess. There's no chance that they win that Monday night football game against Denver, which, by the way, I picked, and I actually went 13-2 and in my picks this week, Jamie, believe it or uh, not. Well done. <laughs> Only ones well I got done. wrong were... Um, the Lions game that I guess that counts as a wash because that was a tie. And then uh, I had Houston winning last night over New Orleans and the Bucks beating the Niners, but I got everything else right. So we're off to a good start so far. Yeah. Way to go. 
Thanks, man. So I get this text, and he says, there's no way the Raiders are going to win this game. They're a mess right now. And my response was, I don't think the Raiders are a mess. I think Antonio Brown is a mess. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think, like, once you get him out of your locker room, I think that was such a problem in Pittsburgh, is that, like, he was just kind of being a locker room cancer and rolling over people and, you know, picking fights with Big Ben. And he's I mean, doing just, the Instagram live stuff in the middle of Tomlin's like post game talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, like streaming, like private locker room conversations. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's just a mess. And I think, I think having guys like that is like, it's just not worth it. And so I think when you can kind of get him out of there, um, it kind of gives you a chance to reset. I mean, he totally dominated the offseason conversation around yeah. the Raiders. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what the Raiders are without him, um, if they can kind of find an identity outside of that. But good week one dub to get it started. This was the craziest of opening weekends with n- non-game-related stories that I can remember This story was just so insane. I cannot think of a star player like this seemingly in the middle of his prime. I have no reason to think that he's past his prime because we've seen guys who are past their prime who cause problems. They're forced their way out. Maybe the T.O.'s, maybe Allen Iverson. Like we've seen examples of this. This is a guy who just signed a thirty million, got thirty million dollars in guaranteed money, which he didn't end up receiving. He gave that all up, and he forced his way out of Oakland. Is what it looks like happened. It was crazy. Didn't he actually end up like owing the Raiders money? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> I think so because he got fined. Like he had like two thousand dollars in fines. That's a great point. And, now, and they didn't pay him at all. Now, did they get? Did they pay him? for coming to training camp stuff. Does he get paid for that? Or did he not comply with any of that? Did he even go to any of that stuff? Like, I I don't know. I think they structured the contract in a way that meant he actually had to, like, play in games and stuff. Yeah. So I don't think they had to pay him any money, which was really (laughs) smart. Yeah. Because (laughs) what what a mess. Did you catch the video that he posted to YouTube with the Gruden phone call? I I heard about it. I didn't actually listen to it, but I heard about it. I just it's such a violation, man. Yeah. Like those are private conversations. You can't just go posting that to the world. And apparently Gruden thought it was funny, which is the funniest part. Yeah, that that I don't understand. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Antonio, man, just get over here and play, and it's all good, man. <laughs> I suppose when you're uh, when you're a coach on a hundred million dollar contract, you can uh, <laughs> you can afford to just find those things funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that this was, I think he forced his way out. I don't really know why he went to Oakland in the first place. Maybe it was the fact that, I mean, he was traded there. So I guess he didn't have too much say in where he got traded to, but he signed the extension. So I don't really know what was going on, but I started to get concerned about him when I just saw this, honestly, borderline bipolar behavior where 
he's threatening to beat up the GM. Then the next day, he's crying at a press conference, apologizing. He releases that video where he says, I, I've just wanted to be a Raider since day one, which is a really awkwardly hilarious video, by the way. You need to watch it when you get a chance. But it's just like this stuff, it, it didn't make sense. I'm like, is there a mental health issue here? Or was this just a calculated move? Did he just have no intentions of sticking around there once he spent a couple of months living in Oakland? I don't know. It, it was so strange. It's It was totally perplexing. Uh, one of the things I heard was some people thought maybe it was early onset CTE. Yeah, uh, that's another good conspiracy theory, by the way. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure I believe that because... Yeah. The, this this news came out did you hear this that he was uh he had like worked with these social media consultants to figure out how to get released from a team as fast as possible <laughs> i didn't i didn't hear that was this reported on or is this a rumor i'm not sure if it's a rumor or if it was a real deal report but that's what i had been told uh which is believable that's That's the thing yeah this is so weird that i actually if you said i mean i can believe that (laughs) yeah i i could totally believe it i i don't have any idea why he signs the extension if he if he's not gonna if he doesn't have any intention of playing there i don't get why he's doing that especially with the way the contract was structured yeah where a lot of that money he actually had to play games to get um, so I, I don't know, but I think the whole thing, like running around your yard screaming, I'm free, I'm free. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so classless and I don't know. <laughs> it's really a sad story or at least it was sad. Who knows? Maybe this has, maybe the next chapter is a great revival story of the Patriots. I wouldn't say saving his career, but really altering the path that he's on at the moment because they've been great with these reclamation projects. I want to take you back for a second, just the timeline of this. So Friday, I believe he apologized. Then I think, I don't remember when the fine came and he put it on social media. That could have also been on Friday, but I remember Thursday, it was like, he's going to be suspended. He's not going to play a week one Friday. The word is he is going to play, and then he releases the video Friday night. And I'm like, okay, I got him on my fantasy team. I'm ready to go for Sunday or Monday night. And uh, then Saturday morning, he puts on Instagram that he wants them to release him. He dared them to release him. And at this point, Jamie, what was going through your head? Because I was getting texts from people that were like, he might retire today. Now, this, this, these were not people who were connected. This was just speculation. But nobody on earth seemed to know what he wanted from all of this. So I'll tell you what. I, uh, in the midst of all this happening, I got a trade offer in one of my fantasy football leagues. <laughs> Somebody was trying to trade Antonio Brown to my team. <laughs> and I just see all this stuff in the news, and I'm like, man... There is. I'm not touching Antonio Brown with a ten foot pole. Like, <laughs> there's no way you're putting him on my team. Now I feel a little bit bad about it because he's going to the Patriots. Wait, but so I, you declined the trade before you got the later news? Yeah. Oh wow. So I declined the trade pretty quick because they he wanted like Sammy Watkins, like he wanted some like 
yeah. real real high profile players but i i uh i couldn't believe that this was going on i think i i went back and forth between like wow this is kind of a sad story and like wow this guy is a diva and like yeah. is really screwing up this team and i just i went back and forth between like i feel bad for him and like this is a not a good like he's bringing it on himself yeah and now we're like, maybe he was a genius all along. Maybe he was playing chess yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, this was all planned. Oh my goodness. There's all these conspiracy theories about how it was it was collusion and he was working with the Patriots the whole time. Yeah, and I don't really Which... believe that. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, I think he could have had his eyes set on, oh, that could be a place that I could go or maybe another one of these teams that uh, wants to get another weapon would give me the money. Like, I'm sure he's got an agent. I'm sure his agent was looking around at places that would have potentially cap space for him. Yeah. He, the thing is he signed, he signed that contract really fast. Yeah. Uh, with it's like, I remember, I remember I was with my family at a movie on Saturday. Um, and I asked my brother-in-law right before the movie starts, he's like, so where's Antonio Brown going to go? It's like, I don't, I don't know, maybe the Patriots. And then like an hour and a half into the movie, he shows me his watch. He's like, Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like four hours. I was seeing that everywhere. And even, even the rumors leading up to it, I was like, yeah, you know, that does sound like a bill move, but I mean, they got Josh Gordon already. They're trying to get him, his mind right for a full season of football. And uh, I don't know. I was trying to, I was like, are they going to have money? Because I was thinking he's not going to get the same kind of money, but he did get 15 mil for the year. With a huge signing bonus. What do you think of this move on the Patriots end? I mean, I think if they can, if they can, you know, turn him down, take him down a notch with, I think, I think they could, Yeah, I agree. you know, especially, especially if he was doing this on purpose because he didn't want to play in Oakland. And then he just kind of shows up at Patriots practice and is all nice and happy and go lucky and accommodating everything. You know, I think if that's the case, then I think this is a win-win for the Patriots. They get another great receiving threat for, for Tom Brady to throw to and, Say what you want about Tom Brady and the Patriots, but they're in it every year, and he's a great quarterback. And give him another, give him another excellent receiver to throw to. And I mean, I I think it really works out for them. I think it's a lot of money up front, but if they have the cap space, why not? So, Dude, it's just insane. We saw what they just did on Sunday night without him. Without yeah. him, with that's fifteen million that was not being used for that game. So even if he does, even if this doesn't work, they can always just cut him. Now they might not get the money back. I don't know the specifics of guaranteed money uh, for this deal. I don't think it matters though because they no. they looked head and shoulders above the Steelers on Sunday night. And I mean, I, there are some other teams you got to talk about, you know, Chiefs, Chargers, whomever. But regardless, that was, in my opinion, entering week one, I thought that was going to be the two in terms of strength of two teams. I thought that was the best one in terms of. Yeah. yeah. And oh, they sure. picked them apart one thirty three to three. 
and it's like, oh my goodness, they're going to have Antonio Brown. <laughs> and yeah. for all of the talk about how crazy this guy is and how strange he is, the talent is still there. And at his best, he's the most talented player or talented receiver in the NFL. And to give that to Tom Brady, that's just going to, that team's upside is just through the roof right now. It's insane. Yeah. It's got to make them Super Bowl favorites at this point. Yeah. I would change my pick from from two (laughs) weeks ago. I would go Patriots now. It's just, it's insane, man. It is crazy. Yeah. What a, what a story. What a wild turn of events. Uh, A couple other notes from this. Number one, I just want to say, look, Mike Tomlin got out coached on Sunday night. He (laughs) did not, you know, there were some poor decisions made, but on the same end, I think we need to give Mike Tomlin all the credit in the world for making Antonio Brown work so well for that team for so long. And now you saw how, you know, how this whole thing unfolded in Oakland. Mike Tomlin deserves a lot of credit. He looks good right now. He does. He does. And if, if the Steelers can bounce back from this from this week one just drubbing, um, then I I think they could I think they could be a good team this year, especially they don't have that hanging over their heads. They don't have Le'Veon Bell hanging over their heads. So they're rid of a lot of that clubhouse, you know, a lot of those clubhouse issues, locker room issues, I guess. Yeah. NFL. But <laughs> but they're rid of a lot of that stuff, and I think he's a great coach. And you know the Steelers don't turn over coaches very much, so they're gonna let him ride. Yeah, I I'm not overly concerned about the Steelers because typically they come out of the gate slowly. Now, if it's week six and we're seeing a bad loss like that, now then I would push the panic button, or maybe not the panic button, but I'd be much more concerned. Um, but. I think the main takeaway from that was, holy smokes, the Patriots are still amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even with ageless wonder Tom Brady, yeah. who's years old at this point, they're still... <laughs> never retiring. He's never... He's going to keep doing no. this. It's insane. <laughs> he's like, what, 42 now? And he yeah. still has... like. Didn't he just sign a contract extension? Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Um, the last point... NFL related touched on it briefly when we be when we began the show Jamie did you catch any of that Oakland game last night on Monday Night Football I uh I saw just a little bit yeah I saw a little bit too had to go to bed at halftime because of the late game on the west coast but the Raiders looked hungry man they looked really good in that first half yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're motivated to kind of shove this back in Antonio Brown's face. Um, and I think they're a better team than people give them credit for. Um, I think especially if they can get Derek Carr to take a step forward. Um, I think they're a team that I don't really see him as like a real Super Bowl contender. Right. And in uh, that division, too, it's really tough. Yeah. yeah, but I could see him as a team that makes some noise and ruffles some feathers and gets in people's faces and, and surprises a few people. I think I projected them around seven and nine or eight and eight. And after what we saw last night, I feel pretty good about that prediction. They looked hungry. Gruden did a great job. And 
Look, it's just crazy, Jamie. You've heard it. I've heard it for the last year. There's not a, a head coach in college or the NFL who's been made fun of more than John Gruden. Do you agree? I 100%. Yeah, and it's like the way that he's been talked about, you would think the little amount of respect he has from the press, the fans, the people on Twitter. Now, that's not everyone because there are still some people who recognize the great career and track record that he's had as a head coach. You, He's gotten less respect than some rookie head coaches, which is unbelievable to me because he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I mean, look, there's a reason that they gave him a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you don't just give chump coaches a hundred million dollars. So it, the other thing is he was making six a year from ESPN for Monday night football. So if you want to get John Gruden to coach your NFL team, you have to pay more than 6 million a year. Yeah. But I think, you know, they, they have him there for 10 seasons. I think <laughs> yeah. he's coached two, two of those now. It's in his third season, I think. Um, this is his second, actually. His second season. So yeah, he like has one is... rebuilding year. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what's happened. And they won last night, and people were stunned. He silenced the critics last night on social media. Yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly the Raiders see something in him. Um, and I think he's done a great job so far. Uh, I, I think if they're able to move past Antonio Brown, I think people may start to see that he's really kind of bringing the most out of those players Yeah, uh, and, and getting a good team going. So, And let me be clear. I'm not saying that John Gruden is a Hall of Fame head coach. I'm not saying he's the best coach in the league. I'm just saying he's not the worst coach in the league and that people should give him a little more time and grace. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, the Oakland Raiders post that Super Bowl that he beat them in when he after he left the Raiders job and took the Bucks job he the Raiders haven't been relevant. They had the one year a couple uh 3 years ago when Del Rio was the head coach and Carr played like an MVP, but that's it. So, and they're moving to Vegas now. And the other thing with the money, Jamie, is NFL teams, there's a salary cap. Yes, that goes for the players. But the owners are making a ton of money past the salary cap. So you can play, you can pay your other employees as much as you want. And there are college coaches that make close to the same amount that Gruden makes. So while he is the most, the highest paid coach in the NFL. And the other thing that it's different because in baseball, now we're seeing everyone want to save money on the manager, but that's different because in baseball, there's no salary cap. So the money that they can save money on a manager and use that towards players, they can't do that in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I it's really interesting to see, um, you know, just kind of what he's making of it. But I agree with you. I, I don't think he's the worst coach in the league. Um, and I think he gets more hate than he deserves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I like this Jamie guy. You should have him on the <laughs> podcast a little more. <laughs> perfect flawless impression <laughs> thanks man uh but it's just it was just a little funny to see the twitter reaction last night because there were a lot of people who were like man 
this Raiders team is going to be a fun little bandwagon. Even if they're not very good, they're they're going to be entertaining. We saw some of that last night. Now, obviously, let's not get too carried away. It was just one game, and everyone overreacts. There are a lot of things you could overreact from this week, but I think that was encouraging. It's unfortunate for the Oakland fans, though, that they're going to lose their NFL franchise pretty soon when they finally do turn the corner. Yeah, that kind of sucks because, like, the Oakland Raiders, even when I wasn't really a football fan, even then I knew that the Oakland Raiders had some of the most diehard fans in sports. Yeah, they do. It really kind of sucks that they're kind of turning their back to those guys. and We'll see if the fan base follows them to Vegas, but I, I mean – I know people when uh, when they had an uh, expansion franchise in the NFL moving to Vegas, people weren't sure if they could carry a team, you know, fan wise. Um, and the Golden Knights have quite a following already there, so maybe there is more of a sports fan culture in Las Vegas than we thought there was. Even still, I think it kind of sucks for for these Oakland fans that have really been devoted and and stuck with this team through some really bad years. Oakland fans amaze me. I've been to an Oakland A's game and I've been to a Golden State Warriors game. And I can tell you right now, Jamie, that the Oakland fans are the only fan base that gets in fights with each other. (laughs) I was at an A's game and there was a fight that broke out in the stands. And the funny thing was the way people reacted. They were like clapping and cheering, like watching it. (laughs) And then uh, in Golden State, I saw... Uh, a dad who was very drunk and another man uh, almost engage in a fight about two or three rows in front of me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think That's the thing, cool. you know, we're seeing they're leaving golden States moving their uh, stadium. They have a new stadium that just got built. And I don't know if it's in San Jose or in San Francisco, but it's, it's no longer in Oakland and the A's have, been interested in getting out of Oakland for a while. I think the thing is they look at their other parts of the Bay area that are much more expensive to live in and that it would be more profitable to move the organization there because they can charge more for tickets. Yeah. Which, which is, which kind of sucks. I know uh, it does. <laughs> You know, because I think I think there's a, an element of giving back to the fans um, in those kinds of situations when you have fans as loyal as Oakland fans. Um, and I know the Golden State Warriors have an enormous bandwagon, but they yeah. had they had a diehard fan base before. Um, that's just now seeing the seeing the the rewards of it in the last few years. Yeah, now that they got good. So it kind of sucks that they're chasing the money, but it's also not surprising. Yeah. Well, the other thing was I should mention that when I went to the Oracle Arena, that place was really old. They needed a new building because the the stereo system wasn't working. You couldn't hear the PA announcer. So there there is that. And not that the Oakland Coliseum is the nicest of ballparks either, although I do think it's a fun place to watch a game. Yeah, I've never been, um, but I, I've always kind of wanted to go to the, the Coliseum just because it's kind of a weird venue for baseball. You know, it's really set up to be a football stadium. And yeah. so play baseball, you have like 
a hundred feet of foul territory. <laughs> like, yeah, have exactly. so much room and foul ground. <laughs> I imagine the game would just look a little different there. And then the Oakland A's are such a such a unique franchise. Yeah, um, that really kind of play a different brand of baseball than everybody else does, especially the way the front office works. Yeah. So I think it would be interesting to get down there. Yeah. I It is a cool place. The fans make it really fun just because you get the whole let's go Oakland thing that you hear in Moneyball. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a unique place. The last thing that I'm going to say, we've been on NFL much longer than... We anticipated, but it's been a fun conversation. Oh, yeah. Last thing, I'm going to miss seeing... This was the last NFL stadium where you see the baseball diamond on when you're watching the game. I'm going to miss that. I always love seeing that. I don't know why. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Miami used to have it. They're no longer sharing the stadium anymore. It's it's a little bit of a quirky, weird thing, but it you know kind of kind of brings the uniqueness of baseball stadiums to the NFL. I like it. I do too. All right, Jamie. In this, let's stay with Oakland. Let's talk about this AL uh, wildcard race for a little bit, and we can shift over to some NL stuff. And we're going to also have to talk about the headliner, Dave Dombrowski, out as the Red Sox GM. We'll talk about that in a second but first jamie we've got two roses to hand out to three teams here in the wild card spot indians well we got the indians and we got everyone's two favorite american league teams the rays and the a's people love those small market teams that do big things i tell you yeah and crafty Ahead of the curve front offices as well. People like that. Yeah. Moneyball worked. So, I mean, they didn't win a championship, but they had some pretty good teams for a while there. And they're kind of doing the Moneyball thing again, staying ahead of the curve. Um, And I think people like that. Yeah, they do. It's crazy that the A's have only won one playoff series over the last of this whole Moneyball era, which is about 20 years. I think it's important for them to try to make some move. Well, it's not super important, but I think people would really like to see them finally win another playoff series, win the wild card game, make some boys in the AL playoffs and get back into the ALCS. What do you think, Jamie? I, uh, I like this Oakland team a lot, um, and I I think that they're going to overtake the Rays um, and have home field advantage in the wild card. That's a big advantage with yeah. their fans and the way their park is built. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think that's really critical. I think that's even more important than it is in the NL. Um, we'll get to that this year. But the reason I say that is... Um, Oakland really has an advantageous schedule going forward. They uh, they start a series tonight against the Astros, uh, but after that, they don't play any teams over 500. Wow. They, they have a really easy schedule once they get past the Astros. Uh, you know, they have, they have six more games against 
the Rangers, they have five games against the Angels, and then they finish the season against the Mariners. So this is a team that has a really advantageous route to the playoffs, and I think they can take advantage. I think they got great starting pitching under the radar, um, and then I think they have some really nice pieces um, on their offense that really just help set the tone for this team um, and I think are going to carry them. So I like this team a lot. Have you looked at the schedules for the other two teams? I have. Um, so Tampa Bay, uh, they also have a relatively easy schedule, um, but they do have four games against the Red Sox, which is not easy, but or is not really hard, but not easy. Um, they have two games versus the Yankees, and they have two games against the Dodgers. So they have they have some games against some good teams. Yeah. But they also play Texas. Uh, they also play the Blue Jays. They also play the Angels. But they don't really have any truly like like cakewalk series like Seattle or Kansas City like the like the A's do. I would say I think the Angels are trending downwards right now. Uh, I just saw them. Uh, they've. I'm looking at it right now. They've lost seven of their last ten, and I saw them play the White Sox over the weekend, Jamie. I know you saw the Angels earlier this season at Wrigley, yeah. and w- both of these games we went to had one common theme. Do you know what that is? Uh, Mike Trout didn't play? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> He was a late scratch on Sunday, and I found out when it got to the like it was the first inning. Get to my seat. Angels are batting. Look up at the scoreboard. Okay, where's Trout? Where's Trout? Where's Trout? Oh my goodness, he's not playing. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, if he at this point they're out of the race, um, they just they just locked themselves up to pay this man $430 million. Like, like if he's injured at all, like it makes sense for them to just sit him on the bench and say, okay, you just stay over there in your glass box and don't (laughs) (laughs) your safe space. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's go. We'll go back, but you know what? Looking at that schedule, I think the I think the Rangers are a, a scrappy team. They're only a game under 500. I saw them play. I've actually seen the Rangers play twice this year, believe it or not. Uh, once in Milwaukee and once at Guaranteed Rate Field. They have a couple of nice pitchers. Obviously, you gotta love what Mike Miner is doing this year. He's been yeah. fantastic for them. Leading the AL in WAR for pitchers. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And uh, they have this new uh, kid that they brought up, Brock Burke, who pitched a really good game against the Sox. I think he only gave up one run through seven. So they they have a couple of pitchers, and we know they can hit the ball well. So I think that I don't know if they're an easy out. Not necessarily. Um, I think it really hurt them. I thought they were a playoff contender. And I think it really hurt them when Joey Gallo went down. Yeah, um, demoralizing the way, right there. Also, really hurt all of my fantasy teams. Oh no! <laughs> but you still made a way into the playoffs, right? 
I did. So, and I won our first round matchup yesterday or on Sunday night. I won it by one category and I was down by 0.01 in whip going into the <laughs> last couple of games. And then Kirby Yates pitches a clean inning for me. And I win whip by less than 0.01 to flip the category in my favor. <laughs> That's on. That's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> it was who did you beat? Ah, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But You're playing Evan now, I think. Yes, I am playing Evan now. Which I don't. My team's not that good. So, or my. Well, we're both in the that. final four here, so we might meet in the championship. I re- I beat you in the championship two years ago. I don't know yeah. if we want to. Do you want to repeat of that? Because I could <laughs> issue the SmackDown if you're ready for it. The amount of uh, the amount of fantasy championships that I have lost uh, oh, no. <laughs> really, really hurts my soul a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, my team has been carried by Christian Yelich, who I'm sure we'll talk about uh, coming up soon. He's just been so amazing for the Brewers this year. He's I think I got him at pick eight or nine because a lot of people thought he wasn't going to repeat what he did last year, but he's been unreal. I hate how good of a player he is. <laughs> as a Cubs fan. <laughs> I as love watching him. I got nothing against him being as good as he is. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, he is incredible. But I think going back to the Rangers, yeah, this yeah. is a team that uh, they, they have some pieces Um, and obviously they're out of it at this point, but, um, you know, things have not quite gone their way. Joey Gallo got injured. Uh, Rudnetto door has had a serious down year. I think, I think he's batting under the Mendoza line or was at some point. Um, Jose LeClerc really struggled. And then Hunter Pence was kind of having that resurgence and then got injured. Um, so they've kind of had a tough go of it, but I think you're right. You know, Mike Miner has had a crazy good year. They're not they're not quite a super easy out um, as much as their record might suggest they are. Yeah. So interesting note about the Rangers. They actually play two of these teams over the next week. They got three at home against Tampa beginning tonight, and they got three at home against Oakland, and then they will play Oakland again uh, in in about a week from now. You may have mentioned that before. Um, but I'm actually I'm gonna see a game at Globe Life Park, uh, the final weekend of the season against the Yankees, the final weekend of that park's existence as the Rangers' home. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, should, it's sad, but it's exciting to get yeah. to go to a to go to a game there. I always yeah. liked their stadium. Yeah, it always reminded me of a an iconic baseball movie scene. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I do not. Not gonna lie. It's a tough trivia question, but the correct answer that I was looking for was the rookie starring Dennis Quaid. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it, but oh, I've heard man. it's a good movie. Oh man, we gotta have a baseball movie marathon this off season. I agree. <laughs> so, I agree. All right, so out of these three teams, why don't you rank them for me? Who you like the most to? Uh, I guess where you expect them to finish from this point on, because you did mention you got Oakland in the top spot. You got Tampa staying in, or do you think Cleveland finds their way in there? 
I think I think Tampa's going to stay in. Um, I I just see Cleveland kind of falling off at this point. Um, you know, they got Carrasco back, which is a great story to get him back, but he's really not pitched well at all. Um, they might get Corey Kluber back, but he's been gone since May, so you don't have any idea what you're getting there. Um, and I just don't I just don't like this Cleveland team that much. Um, you know, they 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 have three games at the Nationals. Uh, they have to play Philadelphia again. They have to play the Twins again. Um, I just don't like their schedule, and I don't think that they're uh, I don't think that they're going to make the moves that make the moves necessary to get it done. Yeah, and what are they doing right now? Losing to the White Sox for real. They got this swept is... by the Rays, which could be the series that really kills them because if they could have taken even just one of those games make a huge difference in a tiebreaker scenario or just to have that one game over Tampa but man that really killed them yeah they and that's that's part of the problem is this time of year you have to beat teams like that if you want to get in you know you you can't they're not in a position to be messing around losing to the White Sox yeah. Um, like they, they don't have a lot of room for error here. Um, I just don't like what's going on on their team. I, you know, I don't think they, they've kind of had a nice resurgence from Jose Ramirez who started the season like awful. Yeah. Um, was just terrible. But Shane Bieber's had a great season. Um, so that could carry them. But when you're expecting, you know, Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger, has also been pretty good since he came back from injury but then you got a bunch of rookies you know they're expecting Adam Savale and Zach Plesak to carry the rotation I just these are good pitchers but I just don't like I don't like what's going on you know I I don't think that they uh I don't think that that's necessarily something you can trust um and they got rid of Trevor Bauer which blessing in disguise maybe yeah uh, but I think that really hurt their hurt their chances of of getting in this year. Um, that being said, the additions of of Puig and uh, and Franmil Reyes in that trade I think really helped them. Um, but ultimately, I'm just not that high on this Indians team. I think they uh, I think they spent their big run just climbing back into the division race. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know they've been they've been running and gunning you know, playing stressful baseball for a couple of months now. I think that's going to come back and bite them um, and knock them out. Um, and so I think I think they're going to be out, and I think the wild card game is going to get played in Oakland. Um, Oakland is bringing up a couple pitchers. Uh, they brought up Jesus Luzardo. Uh, they brought up A.J. Puck. Now, these guys aren't going to start, but, you know, they, they have a deep farm system. Um, and they have some great top prospects that I really like. Um, and the Rays are just now getting back Tyler Glass now and and yeah. in a week or yeah. so, which I think will help them. But again, Glass now has been out since May. The one thing I will say about those guys is who knows in terms of what you can get out of them. But yeah. I I would my estimation i guess we'll see how he progresses but glass now ends up being a guy that they can use out of the bullpen like nathan Eovaldi was for the red sox last year yeah and that's a big piece yeah and i and i've heard that they um 
that they intend to kind of piggyback him and Blake Snell. So, you know, like one of them gives you four innings and then the other guy gives you four innings. Yeah. Something like that. Um, But these guys have been out a long time. You don't know what you're going to get from them. Blake Snell had surgery, you know, so it's just tough to know if you're going to be able to get the kind of consistency you need out of those guys. Um, And I just, I think Oakland's the better team. Um, And I think, I think, uh, you know, still having to play games against the Dodgers and Yankees, uh, I think is going to take its toll on the Rays. So great points you brought up. I want to say one more thing about the Indians. You touched on it for a second. There seems to be a big correlation between Jose Ramirez's production and the Indians in the standings. They went on that big run when he was back and swinging the bat well, but he also broke his hand about uh, two weeks ago now. And that seemed to be when they started to dip again. So I just don't really, I think they're going to be the odd man out here. They will not receive a rose from the bachelorette. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I would give my two roses to Oakland and Tampa. I concur. Oh, but I guess that makes me the bachelorette, uh, the bachelor, I mean. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, Jack. <laughs> Do we need to get you on the show? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> now, Big Brother, can't put me, CBS, if you're listening to this, you can put me on Big Brother or The Amazing Race any day of the week. I'd do it, but cannot do The Bachelorette. There you go. I'm I'm sure CBS is paying attention. Oh, they got someone. They they got oh, yeah. someone from casting. Casting is everywhere. They're looking <laughs> everywhere. They're listening to obscure podcasts. They're searching <laughs> through Facebook. So when you win the next season of The Amazing Race, we can uh we can all look back on this and laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends, Jamie. Are you gonna do the amazing race with me? Is it us? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, uh, in other news, this was the big headline yesterday morning. The Boston Red Sox released a press release saying that Dave Dombrowski, who won the Red Sox a World Series last year, has been relieved of his duties. This one just did not seem right to me if this was all based off of a performance aspect. Now, the Red Sox are in an interesting situation. They've got to to sort out some contracts this offseason and make some decisions on what they're going to do with some of these players. I'm sure you will touch on that. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen a guy get fired less than a a full year. This was like 11, 10 months ago. He won the World Series for the second time with a different organization. So he's won two now, each with a different organization. He did that one with the Marlins. He got the Tigers really close. And yes, they're having a down year. But what this indicates to me, Jamie, because if this... Okay, I guess what I should say is if this was performance-based, I think this is really wrong. I, I don't think that's right. And I think it's really unfortunate for Alex Cora, who got hired by Dave Dombrowski, who's still managing this team, and now there's a new guy coming in. I don't like the look of this, but 
maybe there's something on the inside that we don't know about. Maybe there was some fight. Maybe there was some sort of a personal interaction. Words were exchanged. There was a lack of respect. Maybe there's something else going on here. Not that we can try to pinpoint what that is without any kind of sources or anything. Then it makes a lot more sense because maybe there is something going on that we don't know about. Uh, that's a serious issue and they needed to part ways. But if this is all a performance thing, then I don't like the look of this. Yeah, it's it's really perplexing to me. I mean, the Red Sox have won three straight AL East titles. They just won 108 games and a World Series. Um, and they're having they're going to miss the playoffs this year. But it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. This team has struggled. Uh, but you wonder how much of that is Dombrowski's fault when most of the roster came back. Like most of the ro- the playoff roster that won last year came back. So I don't know 100% that that's Dombrowski's fault. Now the one thing you could point to is they didn't re-sign Craig Kimbrell, um, which could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, the way seriously. That is, uh, <laughs> Tenure with uh, my beloved Cubs has gone, um, but you could you could point to that. But really, like that's about it um, as far as like moves he did or didn't make. So it's really kind of perplexing to me. I think I think more of the blame would fall on Alex Cora, and more of the blame would fall on some of these players that just aren't performing. Um, I think. It could have something to do with the money um, that he has shelled out. Um, you know, the first, the, basically, the first thing he did was give David Price two hundred seventeen million dollars. Yeah, and you know, but the thing is, you know what you're getting with Dave Dombrowski. He will trade prospects. He will spend money. He's win now. And for the most part, I don't know if there's a GM who's perfected that better than he has. Because we've seen a lot of these teams, like the Phillies this year, Matt Klentak, and nothing ends up happening. The Phillies might get into the wild card game. Right now, it doesn't look like it. But the Red Sox have actually, and Dombrowski's teams, have benefited greatly in the short term from this strategy. And you know that eventually you're going to have to suffer the consequences for that short window because you look at what Detroit is still in this purgatory where they can't, you know, they might lose a hundred for two, three years in a row, but I don't know. What do you think? Continue your thoughts. Sorry. I interrupted. No, that's okay. I, I, I think I, I agree with you. I, I think they would pay the price down the line, but the way that this current roster is constructed I don't see a reason that they couldn't compete again next year. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure why you would get rid of Dombrowski. And they, the other thing about it, too, is that they did not open it up to the press. They didn't hold a press conference. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't told anyone anything. So that leads me to believe that there might have been some things going on on the inside. Um and we haven't heard anything. I suspect probably eventually we'll figure out what actually happened. May not happen until the season is over. Yeah. Um, I suspect we'll eventually figure it out. But 
from where it looks right now, it does not make any sense. Um, you know, if, if they want to, if they want to kind of be ticky tack and, and be upset about the Chris sale extension, stuff like that. I mean, there's little reasons here or there, but not anything that's out of the realm of GMs doing their job and the mistakes that come with GMs doing their job. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I, I do think there is something else going on here. It is odd that they wouldn't comment on it at all. And instead, Alex Cora was like the only mouthpiece for this whole thing. Because obviously, he's going to get asked that question. And you're going to get an honest answer from the guy. He said, this guy gave me this job. I love the guy. I don't really want him to leave. And, yeah, it's just a very strange situation. I will say uh, one of there could be some fun fallout from this because I think yes. there's going to be a lot of speculation uh, that they might consider moving Mookie Betts in a trade. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if J.D. Martinez opts out and signs somewhere else. Um, you know, they might consider saying, okay, we can – restock the farm basically one trade by getting rid of Mookie Betts uh, instead of giving him a super extension which is what Dombrowski would have done most likely and and I mean the thing with Mookie Betts is uh he's consistently said all along he wants to test the free agent market so they only get one more year of him and if they don't trade him then they you know then they get a draft pick compensation when he obviously denies the qualifying offer. Um, so I think, I think that'll be a really interesting story to watch is um, kind of how that develops and who might be interested in trading for Mookie Betts. Um, I ultimately don't think they're going to, because I think that this is a roster that can compete next year. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen, but if they're out of it, like, or just really not close, you know, early mid July next year, I could see them moving Mookie Betts saying, okay, we can, we can rebuild on the fly here. Um, the other interesting tidbit, uh, is that now with, with Dombrowski out, um, Raquel Ferreira, who was, uh, just one rung under him. She's kind of part of the GM amalgam. Um, uh, is now the highest ranking woman in an MLB front office in the history of the game. Wow. Um, yeah, which is kind of crazy. I just thought that was a fun tidbit. Yeah, that is a that is a fun one. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I saw that on ESPN this morning. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go over to the National League. We only got so much time left. Let's talk about this Cubs Brewer series and I want to I want to leave a little bit of time to talk about a couple of other things in the National League so let's not go too long on this but Jamie I think I texted you last week I I can't remember if I sent this to you or if I send this I definitely sent this to a few other friends I said the Brewers are dead in the water unless the Cubs squander this series somehow in Milwaukee. I said, if the Brewers take three of four, they're given new life. Did I send that to you? You did. 
You did, and I found it really prophetic when the the Brewers won three out of four. (laughs) And they also took two of three the previous weekend, which would be... Five out of seven. Five out of seven, you're correct. Oh, yes, oh, yeah, so two out of three the weekend before, and then three out of four, and now the Brewers have new life. This is... Is are we is history repeating itself in a different uh, fashion? Because last year I think they started sep- the month of September. They were about five or six games back of the division, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah, I I don't know if history is necessarily repeating itself. Um, I could see them uh, taking over the Cubs, um, but I also could see the Cubs. I don't think it's likely, but I could see the Cubs coming back and winning the division. Um, you know, I so I I think the Brewers have one more run in them, but I don't think they have the pitching to get it done. Um, you know, this is a really unproven starting rotation. Um, they have Josh Hader in the back of the bullpen, but he's good for one or two innings every couple of days. You know, you got to fill in the rest of those innings. That being said, I mean, what a monster is Christian Yelich. Yeah. Um, I mean, he carries that team. He really does. I, in the truest sense of most valuable player, he should win it this year just because the Brewers are completely dead to rights without him. Um, so I don't think the Brewers are necessarily going to gonna go off and do something crazy but i it's it's not over by any stretch um in the division or in the wild card um i think the brewers could make some noise they have a pretty soft schedule to end the year um they have three games against the cardinals and that's the only games against teams over 500 they have left um you know they'll they'll play miami san diego yeah, they got four this week in Miami, by the way. The yeah. first one was last night. They won eight to three. Yeah, they have a really soft schedule um, that I think could really play into their into their hands. Um, now, the Cubs do two uh, games against St. Louis aside, but... Yeah, seven of them. Yeah, I think, I think it could be a really interesting race down the stretch. Um, as for the rest of the wild card... Uh, I don't see the Mets doing anything, and I don't yeah. see the Phillies doing anything. Um, yeah. I think you could make a case that the Diamondbacks uh, have some have some room, maybe squeak in. But um, you know they got rid of Grinky at the deadline. It kind of looked like they were trying to do a rebuild on the fly, um, and I'm just not 100 percent sure how well that's worked for them. They've had Cattell Marte have a crazy good season, but. Zach Gallen has been on fire lately. Yeah, he has been clutch for my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was a great ad by you in the middle of the season. Yeah, really helped me out. Kind of kind of made up for when I dropped Josh Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> not, in, not in our league. I drafted no, Josh not in, Donaldson. not in our league, in one of our other leagues. Oh, okay. but, or one of my other leagues. But, yeah, you said that. I was confused. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, I've been destroyed by injuries this year, so it was yeah. kind of clutch to have him. But you know, <laughs> this—I think this is a four-horse race in the wild card, and I think there's there's prime room for some real chaos happening here. 
uh, in this wild card race. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Let's stay on this Cubs Brewers thing for a second. Mm-hmm. Just talk about these teams. So you mentioned the Saturday game with Yelich. That was an all timer, man. That's one that I'm gonna remember. Yeah, I, three stolen bases, walk off hit, a multi hit game. I wanted to I wanted to punch a wall when I, <laughs> when I saw him. He hit a walk off. I was like, of course it's Christian Yelich. Yeah, like, and I hate to say it, but Kyle Schwarber misplayed that ball and left a little bit. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was it was a tough one, but it was. You saw the excitement in the Milwaukee fans. Uh, Alex Stahl, who's been on this podcast before, he was at that game and he had an amazing time. And if you're a Brewers fan, like even if they don't do anything, they don't end up making the playoffs. This was their last weekend playing the Cubs, and to take three of four from them and just finish the season, finish off the Cubs the way they did, that's going to give that team and that fan base a lot of confidence going into next year, regardless of what else happens the rest of the way. Because the Brewers have been decimated by injuries at the moment. Lorenzo Cain, you saw him hobbling around with his knee. And Keiston Hira is out right now. Uh, There are a couple other guys that you might remember who are out right now, but they're missing some guys. Yeah, this is a... I really hate to say it, but I think this, I think this injected some life into their, into their team. I think, cause yeah. I think you're totally right. I think they would have been dead in the water. Um, I know that they, they ended up actually releasing Eulis Chassin. Um, you know, Josh Hager yeah. hasn't had as good of a year as he did last. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it'll be really interesting down the stretch to see what this team does. Again, they have an advantageous schedule. Um, so they're definitely not out of the race. I would have said I was at the game on Friday uh, when when they beat the Cubs seven to one. Um, that was hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know they aside from game one of that series, they really they really took took charge and and they really dominated the Cubs over the weekend, um, which I think is going to give them a big confidence boost. Um, and I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be really tough down the stretch. So right now, here are the guys that they're missing. Mike Mustakis, he's out with a wrist injury. It says Yelich is expected to miss a couple of days with a knee injury. Orlando Arcia is on the paternity list. Manny Pena is has a concussion, so he's going to miss some time. Keiston Hira has a hamstring injury. He's been out for a couple of weeks. And Brandon Woodruff is also out right now, who was an all-star this year. And they they were missing Jimmy Nelson for most of the season. Didn't he just yeah, come back? Yeah, and Corey Knable. Yeah. yeah, Corey Knable out for the year, too. Yeah, Corey Knable had Tommy John. So it's like the Cubs are injured right now, too. And we're going to talk about them in a second. But this team is overcoming some injuries right now. And I think if the Cubs need to take care of business in San Diego this week, if they have a similar act as they did in Milwaukee. Look, Jamie, they could split this Padres series. They win two and they can look and see that the Brewers swept the Marlins this week. And now they're tied for the wild card spot. Yeah. That's how crazy that there's not a lot of room right now for the Cubs to squander some of these games. They need to win all these games right now. 
Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I, this Brewers team is is not going away. Um, I thought I thought for like about a week, week and a half ago, I thought, okay, feeling pretty comfortable. Yeah. It's a two horse race. Uh, but they <laughs> but they keep scratching and clawing, and they're not going to go away. Um, and I think even in spite of all these injuries, um, if Christian Yelich is out for an extended amount of time, I think they're done. I think they're finished. But assuming that he plays, um, I think this team has a lot of life. And I definitely don't think uh, that the division or the wildcard race is over yet. Yeah. And I would have also written them off had they... Let's the, if what had happened over the weekend did not happen, they're done. That's like we had been saying all along. Brewers fans were ready to write them off. Like one of my yeah. buddies, I'm like, dude, let's go to a game. He's like, it's it's a rough year to be a Brewers fan, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, here's the thing: the Cubs. I just don't know what is going on because. Javi's done for the year. Bryant has a knee injury. What? Done for the month. Javi could come back if they play in October. Yes, good clarification. Yeah, could come back if... Could, yes. And KB has a knee injury, which could end up being more serious than people anticipated it to be. Contreras is out. Well, we haven't gotten the lineup for tonight, but he's missed the last three or four games and he was previously injured and Addison Russell just got hit in the face. Now I'm not putting Addison Russell at the same level as those guys offensively, but they're losing a lot of their starting players right now. And without Baez, without Contreras, without Bryant, those are three of their top six offensive guys. Cause you include, uh, Castellanos and Rizzo and is there another guy that I'm thinking of or maybe it's three out of five yeah three out of five yeah you're right so without those three guys on a team that can sometimes just not score any runs I just it's tough it's really tough right now now they can they have talent their pitching staff has some good pitchers on it the bullpen is not to be trusted at the moment. Mm-hmm. And there is Rizzo. There are some guys, and this is Madden's team that never quits. And we've seen Madden work around these things before and the Cubs get in somehow. And they have a two-game lead. So they they should be the favorites to land in that spot right now. But I'm just looking at all these things and I, I just I got major concerns for them going forward. I think the, the way they get in is if one of these other teams doesn't step up and go on a big run and win a bunch of games. If everyone just plays... Clearly, if everyone plays 500 baseball from this point forward, everything's going to stay the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good man. But the last thing I'll say, and I'm going to give you a chance to weigh in, because I, I should have let you weigh in by now. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing with the Cardinals... I heard a great point from Tom Verducci last week. He made it on MLB Network, and he said, when you look at games back, if there's less ga- if there's less weeks left than games back in the standings, 
so you need to pick up more than one game a week, then it's pretty safe. I mean, that lead is decently safe. And so, yes, they're the seven games. The Cubs aren't going to win all seven of them. No. So it's a four-game lead at the moment. How many do they need to get it to to leap the Cardinals in the standings? Um, I think I think they got to get it down to two by the yeah. time that they by the time that they play the Cardinals. There's seven games left between these two teams, and I think yeah. the only way the Cubs win the division is if they take at least five of them. Yeah. Um, which is a really tall order because the Cubs are playing injured. Um, the loss of Javi Baez really hurts. Yeah. Um, and this is a good Cardinals team. Um, so I think it's a really tall order uh, to take five out of those seven, especially when you when you end the season in St. Louis for three in hostile territory. Um I think there's a chance. And the Cardinals, make no mistake about it, they would love nothing more than to not just win the division, but they would love to end the Cubs and just knock the Cubs out of the playoffs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I uh, For those who don't know, my <laughs> lovely bride, for all of her lovely, amazing uh, attributes, has one that's really bad, and that's that she's a Cardinals fan. <laughs> And uh, she loves nothing more than to remind me of where the standings are right now. <laughs> but it's true. I, I think, I think you know, the Cubs have kind of taken over dominance of the division the last few years. Obviously, Milwaukee won the division this last year. But, you know, the Cubs won in 16 and 17. And in 2015, were the ones that ousted the Cardinals from the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. I think Cardinal Nation, hate that, by the way, Cardinal Nation. Um, <laughs> Cardinal Nation is out for blood. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think they would love nothing more than to be the ones that that eliminate the Cubs from the playoffs. It's crazy what this Cardinals team has accomplished over the last month. It seemed it was about a month ago it seemed the Cubs had like a four or five game lead, right? Yeah. It was, they, they had a strong lead for a little while there and the Cardinals, we were also waiting for a national league central team to get up to the level of Atlanta and LA. And I'm not saying they're at that level, but Cardinals are almost 20 games over 500 right now. So they, they have the makeup, they have the look of a division winner at the moment. Yeah, this is a, this is a good Cardinals team. At one point they won what 20 out of 27 or something like that over the last yeah. month and a half. Um, I mean, they really have taken over, um, put themselves in in great position here, um, and we'll see we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, you know, they don't have the easiest of schedules going out. Uh, they do still have to play Milwaukee, um, and then they do still have to play the Nationals and the Cubs, obviously. So it's it's not a cakewalk for them going out, but. Um, you know, I think, I think they're energized by the, by taking over the division like they have. Um, and you know, they've gotten some, they've gotten some good resurgence from Adam Wainwright, uh, kind of injecting some life, um, 
as a veteran leader of this team. Um, so I think, I think this is a team with the makeup of a division winner. I think if they take care of business against the Cubs, even keep it close in the last seven games against the Cubs, I think it's St. Louis's division to lose. Well, the other thing is, if the Cardinals can... Now, they, they do have some tough games after this Colorado series this week, which could potentially give them another game. If they enter that series up four, even five games, if they gain another game, then, I mean, the the Cubs are going to have to sweep them, sweep all seven to take the division. So I think if they can just get there, like they can win the division before they even get to that point by putting themselves in a good spot and taking care of business. I'm looking at their schedule. They, they have Milwaukee and the Nationals at home. And uh, who knows what the Nationals will be because they could be uh, – it's too early to start resting, guys. So I wouldn't say that they'd be resting anyone, uh, getting their staff in line for the wild card game. But, I mean, th- those will be some tough games. So they, they do have some tough games. They also have Arizona, too. So they, they do have some tough games coming up. It's not going to be easy. Like, I don't, I don't think the division is locked up yet. Um, no. Especially, and the MLB obviously did this on purpose, but especially with those yeah. seven games against the Cubs. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I think if St. Louis takes care of business um, against, you know, against the Rockies this week and, um, you know, kind of stomps the life out of Milwaukee at the end of the week here. Um, I think they're put in in really great position uh, to m- make the Cubs series almost not even matter anyway. Yeah. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. It is unfortunate, however, that we don't get Cubs Brewers again this year. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Because we, you know, we had game 163 last year and everything and it, it's over now. There's these teams are not going to play each other again in 2019, unless a situation where let's say the nationals aren't falling out of that wild card spot. I think, I don't think we'd see those two teams in the wild card, but maybe, but then it seems like, no, we're not seeing it again. (laughs) I think the nationals and Cardinals are somehow now Cardinals. Maybe they, there is a chance they could fall into a wild card game. I don't think the Cardinals fall out. So, yeah, we won't see Cubs Brewers again this year. Unless there's a game 163 again, if they tie for that second. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Imagine that. Dude, I I don't think my heart could handle it if, if that happened and the Brewers won it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a very real possibility at this point. Um, you know, especially if... if you know, the Cubs and, and Cardinals kind of trade blows and kind of play 500 against each other. That leaves room for Milwaukee to pick up some ground. Um, I could see a game 163. I don't I don't want to, but I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. We will see. That would be unbelievable if we got two years in a row at Wrigley or if we went to Miller Park this time. Either way. Um, I don't know who has the head-to-head at the moment, but I would guess the Brewers, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially after the last two weekends, I would probably say Brewers. So it'd be a Milwaukee at Miller Park this year, and last year 
Wrigley got packed with a lot of Brewers fans. Yeah. So maybe I mean they get tired of hearing about the Cubs fans at uh, Miller Park. Was there a pretty like fifty-fifty divide on Friday night? Because it seemed like there was when I was watching the game on Saturday. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty even split. Um, the the Brewers, <laughs> the Brewers front office really likes capitalizing on the Cubs. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've, this is a funny little tidbit. I don't know if you've been to Miller Park this year, but their parking is $15 Monday through Thursday or $20 on weekends and when they play the Cubs. Oh, really? So, <laughs> I didn't know that about the Cubs. I knew the weekend thing. Yeah. So on, on games against the Cubs at Miller Park, they charge more for parking they did those uh, Wisconsin <laughs> resident only pre-sales specifically for Cub Series. I just, I just think it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> because, oh my goodness! All those Cubs fans like having a like having a cheap game up at Miller Park, and and let's be honest, Miller Park is a great place to watch a game. So yeah, it is. Why not drive up? I haven't shared this on the podcast, but I have been to no Cubs games this year. I've been to two Sox games. Uh, by the, season, the time the season's over, I'll have been to two Brewers games, most likely. Uh, the thing is, Wrigley is just too darn expensive right now. I can't afford it. I, the only way I'll go is if someone invites me and has tickets, um, or we find a good deal. But it just hasn't worked out for me to go to Wrigley this year. And it's like, I can get great seats at Miller Park or at Guaranteed Rate for a fraction of the price that it would cost to sit in the bleachers at Wrigley. It's it's nuts. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's so expensive to go see a Cubs game now. Um, and I remember you were texting me the other day, $20 seats behind home plate <laughs> at Miller Park the other day. Yeah, the night of the Bears and Packers, which is, I don't know how they got, they didn't move that to a day game because then the fans could watch both games but it it was it didn't look empty it looked like they had fans go but there were $20 seats just a few rows right behind home plate it was and I did I wasn't able to get anyone to go cuz all the people I know are like well I did have some friends like CJ who's like I have a dentist appointment this is last second I can't do it would have liked to plan ahead I get that but I have some other friends who are like, there's no way I'm missing this football game. And I'm like, guys, fellas, <laughs> they're going to have the game on in the concession area. You can watch the Packers game at Miller Park. And it wasn't even a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People were just hungry for football. They love the rivalry. If you're a fan of one of those te- two teams, I get it all. But I was hyped up for Sunday night, and I was crushed. So if I learned my lesson, it's like any chance to go to a go to a game for cheap as opposed to watching a season opener from your couch, go to the game, make a memory because you're not going to remember the games that you sat on the couch for. You'll remember some, but you'll remember the time that you sat right behind home plate. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Okay. So a couple more Cubs things. The Cubs just brought up Nico Horner. He was their first round pick 
a shortstop out of Stanford last year in the 2018 MLB amateur draft. Had a great game last night. I think he had three hits. But to tell you the truth, Jamie, I'm not too excited about this. I'm guessing you are probably more excited than I am. I I am a little bit, but I was when I saw the news that they were calling up Nico Horner, I didn't leap out of my seat. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's a bit premature. Uh, he skipped AAA entirely. Uh, yeah. He's the first player in the 2018 draft to debut in the majors. Uh, good, good stat right there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, now I think the only reason that it happened is because Javi Baez is out for, the remainder of the regular season. And as we said, Addison Russell got hit in the face with pitch. So, you know, I think with two, with those two guys out, if you don't call him up, who's your starting shortstop? Ben Zobrist. Yeah. I don't think David Bodie. Yeah. (laughs) Both of those guys. I don't think any of us want to see that happen. So I think, I think they were kind of forced into it um, a little bit from the injury standpoint. Um, And I suspect that, um, I don't think he'll crack the opening day roster next year. You know, I think it's just a September thing, and I think just an injury thing. Um, but I, he had a good game, so, you know, obviously only five at-bats, but he looked pretty good. So we'll we'll see where he goes from here. Um, but I I was not as hyped up about it as as I think some people were. Yeah, and here's why I am not, and you you did touch on this. He didn't get a single at bat in AAA, and now there have been some guys who have been able to skip that seamlessly. But in this organization, Schwarber, I'm pretty sure, either skipped AAA the first time or maybe he played a couple of games And they got brought up because they were decimated by injuries at the time. They had a DH slot open for interleague play. And the guy hit so well that they had no choice but to keep him up there. It's really hard to tell a kid, look, you've been awesome for us, but you got to go back down. Like that, that's tough. That can be crushing. But here's the thing. Schwarber ended up having to go back to AAA eventually, like uh, two years later. Ian Happ came up in a similar situation where a lot of people did not think he was ready and he did well immediately kind of forces a spot on the team for him and he had to spend two years later he had to go back and I don't think those prospects got developed as nicely as other prospects have been developed in other situations now that's not just mean that's the only independent variable as to why those guys haven't turned into superstars or whatever you want to, however you want to rate them or project them. But I think for Nico Horner's future, the best thing for him is to play in AAA and have success at that level before coming up to the show. Because I think, Jamie, we might see the story unfold again, where he has, this guy is going to have a good month and people are going to get really excited and they're going to expect him. Okay, Nico Horner, you're the starting second baseman next year, and you're going to bat lead off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to get sent down to AAA in June. I feel like we've seen this story unfold, 
And I understand, like, yes, you got to win games. Now, they do have a couple of shortstops in AAA. They have this guy, Dixon Machado, who is hitting 260, 371 OBP. And they also have Christian Adamas, very similar number numbers. So, yes, they don't have options, but they also have some options. It's just very unfortunate that it came to this, that this was the way that the team was constructed and their two shortstops are injured and they had to do something and there's no trades. You can't make trades because we're past the deadline. There's very little to look at on waivers. So it kind of just happened the way it happened, but I, I am a little concerned if this will be the best thing for Nico Horner for the long term of his career. Yeah, I, I think I think they're gearing up like like I remember hearing that he was like packing his bags to go travel down for the Arizona Fall League when he got the call. <laughs> um, so I I think that I I hope I shouldn't say I think I hope that they're smart enough to say okay regardless like you could hit 600 while you're here in the majors we're still going to start you at AAA next year because we still want to see some of that development. I really hope they're smart enough to do that. Um, Cause I think you're right. I think it kind of messed up uh, Schwarber's development. I think it really messed up Ian Happ's development. Yeah, I think it was more so in Happ's case than Schwarber's, uh, but continue. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you look at how long it took them to call up Ian Happ yeah. uh, this year, you know, he played three, four months in the minors. So I think if they're going to put him on the roster, um, I think that's a mistake, but I don't, I'm not necessarily confident that they will. Um, especially because it looks like for the moment they've committed to having Addison Russell on the roster. Um, and so I think when you get, you know, him and Javi Baez back healthy, uh, I think that's how they want to roll with it. Um, so I hope they're smart enough to not keep him in the majors any longer than they have to. Um, but again, we'll, we'll just have to see. He's a great player. Um, he's hit really well, uh, but he also was injured for a while this summer. So he did miss some, yeah. some development time. So I think he's really raw and I think he needs more time in the majors. One more note on the Cubs, Jamie, John Lester has been struggling and that is another concern for this team. What have you seen from John Lester lately, and what is your take on it? Um, he's not the only one that struggled, actually. Cole Hamels has not been yeah. the same since he came back from the oblique injury. But I think the thing, for, the thing for John Lester um, is everything hinges on his cutter. Um, if he can locate his cutter, especially that backdoor cutter where he sticks it right on the right on the outside black to a right-handed hitter. Um, when, when that pitch he's able to locate, he's phenomenal because that opens up the entire rest of the strike zone uh, for his other pitches for his four seamer and then some of his breaking stuff. Um, and I think, I think he's just getting old. He's losing a little bit of velocity on that. That cutter location is just not quite there. Um, I think as painful as it is to say, I think he's in the downside of his career. 
Um, I think the best of his days as a cub are behind him. Um, and I think he'll continue to struggle. Um, and so it's, it's been tough to watch because he is one of my favorite players on this team. Um, I'm really drawn to the kind of grind it out day in day out work kind of guys. And John Lester really is that guy. He makes 30 starts every year. Um, but even he's been injured some this year. Um, so I think, I think he's just kind of the natural progression of getting older, um, and not being able to do what he used to do. Um, that and the location of his cutter, I think is just not quite there lately. A couple more quick hits here, not from the Cubs. We'll go to a couple other things. The Atlanta Braves are on a roll right now. They've won 10 of their last 11. They had a nine-game win streak going. And they find themselves now just three games back of the Dodgers in terms of NL best record. I don't think anyone saw that coming in June or July when the Dodgers were just a mile out in front of everyone. Yeah, I think you're right. Um the the thing about this Braves team, their starting pitching struggled uh, at the beginning of the year, but they've really turned it around. Julio Tehran's been great. Um, they've gotten great, great production from rookies in, in Mike Soroka and Max Freed um, yeah. that I'm not sure anybody expected to happen. I know you've reaped the benefits of having Mike Soroka on your fantasy team. And Max Freed. Um, <laughs> yeah, having both of them on your team. Um, and then they, I mean... What a what a season from Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. Um, sophomore slump, be darned, you know, like he <laughs> he could he could hit 40, 40, 40 this year, uh, 40 home runs, 40 steals. They've had a quietly really good season from Freddie Freeman. Even Ozzy Albies has been pretty good. Um, this is just a really solid team all the way around. They added some guys at the deadline to help solidify the bullpen. You're finally starting to see them put it all together. Um, Now, that being said, I don't think they catch the Dodgers. Um, And I'll tell you why. is strength of schedule. Um, The Dodgers have five games left against teams over 500. Um, Or the Mets. And two of them are the Rays. So they don't have any truly difficult matchups coming up or have several more games in Philadelphia, several more games against Washington. Um, I think the Braves schedule gets tough uh, from here. That being said, the, the Braves have played crazy good baseball lately. Their pitching is, is firing on all cylinders. Their hitters are firing on all cylinders. They've quietly been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year as well. I think that's really helped them. Um, so I don't think they take over the the home and field advantage throughout the playoffs, um, but I do think that this is a team. Te- uh, you know, I do think they're primed for a deep playoff run. I think my takeaway is from from this is no, I don't think they're going to ultimately surpass the Dodgers because the Dodgers also do have the tiebreaker, so they would need to get four on them and four over two and a half weeks. That's a lot. I, I don't yeah. see that happening. We talked about the games back thing and all that. And you mentioned that they have a tough schedule. And typically when you go on that kind of run, 10 out of 11, going to lose some games. Now they could end up going, 
I don't know, 25 and 10 over the last 35 games or something, but they're naturally going to end up losing some games. You're not, nobody goes, you know, 30 and one, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think it means that they're coming for them. And this is a legitimate contender. I think the Cardinals are a legitimate contender. And the Dodgers right now, Bellinger's second half numbers, I mean, since the beginning of August, I was just looking at this. He batted 235 in August. He's hitting 250 this month. Uh, now, that's only 35 games. But then you see Hyunjin Ryu, um, Ryu, or however you want to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> that guy had to miss us. They had to miss a start because he was not dominating the way. I mean, he had a sub two ERA for four months of the season or five months of the season. And now. He's starting to struggle a little bit. I don't know if the Dodgers are peaking at the right time. I think that the Braves and the Cardinals could very well end up surpassing them in a five or seven game playoff series. I think you're right. I, um, I, the advantage that the Dodgers have is that they've had the division locked up for a long time. They actually, yeah. they actually could clinch officially uh, tonight they have a magic number of one, um, but which by the time this podcast is released, uh, they probably have clinched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the advantage they have, they can rest some of these guys, um, get them the rest that they need. Um, I know they they even pushed a Walker Bueller start back a few days just to get him some rest, so they can set their rotation exactly how they want to. They can get these guys rested because. They've played in two straight World Series. They've been to three straight NLCSs. Uh, they've won five or six divisions in a row. That's a lot of extra baseball that these guys have played a lot less off days at the end of the season. Um, so they're yeah. they're the kind of team that needs these players to be well-rested, um, and they've had the advantage of being able to do that. That being said, they're missing some key pieces. Alex Verdugo is out. Max Muncy is out. Um, and you don't know what you're going to get from Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. So this Dodgers team is definitely fallible. Um, Their bullpen has not been stellar. They don't have a guy past Kenley Jansen that I trust a ton. And even Jansen hasn't been that great this year. No. So this, this bullpen is not great. You don't know what you're getting. from It's not bad, by the way. Yeah, it's not bad. bad. It, um, but it isn't the best of the best. Yeah. You, you don't get to however many wins the Dodgers have with the bad bullpen, but it definitely could no. be better. I think there are holes in this roster. Um, I could see the Braves charging all the way to the World Series. Um, because yeah, I, I, I could too. I think this, I don't think anybody that's winning any wild cards um, really has much of a shot. I think, I think the only team that could ticket you know could ride the wild card in is the nationals based just on the fact that their top three is scherzer strasburg corbin um but i think i think the braves are to me the front runner here because i think there's holes in this in this dodgers uh in this dodgers roster um that could really haunt them in the playoffs the thing i like about the braves is is there isn't it's interesting. There isn't one thing that they're better than everybody else at. 
Like you don't look at their lineup and say that's the best lineup in baseball or the best pitching rotation or, or the best bullpen. But they do everything really, really, really well. As you mentioned, they have a pretty complete team. There were questions with the bullpen, still are, but Mark Melanson has been really good since they plugged him in. He's become their effective closer, and we'll see some what ends up happening with some of those other guys like Shane Green. But realistically, I'm looking at this. Do any of these National League teams have a great bullpen? Maybe the Cardinals? Yeah, and and even that's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, because the the Nationals probably have the weakest out of all of them. The Cubs have a weak bullpen. I don't think anybody has a great bullpen at the yeah. moment, but I think I think the Braves once they shorted up at the deadline, yeah, I think that really helped them. Um, I think you're totally right. I think they're the most complete team in the National League, especially for a playoff push. Um, and I think they're my favorite for the, to, to go all the way, take the pennant. All right. Well, we're going to have to check in, in a few weeks. Once we get down to the nitty gritty and the playoffs are going on, you're going to have to come and help me either. I don't know what we'll do. If you'll join me for the preview show, or if we'll just talk midway, do one of these midweek things and recap some playoff games so we're gonna have to do that because uh, i'm gonna have to hold you to that pick <laughs> sounds good i'll <laughs> i'll die on that hill <laughs> all right <laughs> you'll die on that jamie hill oh <laughs> <laughs> okay last one who's your mvp who is in the national MVP? league mvp um i am going to surprise you and say Anthony Rendon. Oh, okay. Yes. I That's think respectable. He, yeah, I think he's had a huge uh, second half of the season. He's a doubles hitting machine. He's finally getting the 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 due that he deserves. Um, and I think it I think it's really going to hurt Christian Yelich that the Brewers are not that good of a team this year. Um, and I think Cody Bellinger has fallen off too far in the second half. So I, I think it could definitely sweep in and be Anthony Rendon. Yeah, I was looking at this earlier, and Rendon is underrated big time, and he has yeah. been for a few years now. 337 average, leads the National League in average, 32 homers, 114 RBIs. That's a lot of RBIs. 417 OBP, OPS over 1,000. That's not a bad pick. In fact, I don't... Like, you could end up seeing his name over Bellinger on a lot of ballots. The thing is, I just... I don't think he has enough name recognition. Yeah. Because nobody talks about him enough. There's not enough momentum. And you look at momentum, you look at Yelich, Bellinger, and Acuna... And Bellinger, I I mentioned this, he's not dominating the way he did in the first half. Now, he's still an excellent elite National League player. But Yelich, my goodness, what this guy is still doing, and if he were to somehow get the Brewers into the playoffs, you even said this, 
there isn't a player carrying a team the way Christian Yelich has carried the Brewers. Or maybe you could talk about Jose Ramirez in the American League in terms of one guy being that important to a team. I think it's Yelich. I look at, I'm going to read off his numbers right now. 330 average, 44 homers, 97 RBIs, uh, 430 OBP, 1100 OPS. So he is better than Rendon in several categories, although Rendon does have him on batting average and RBIs. I think those two guys and then maybe Acuna, if Bellinger ended up fourth, that that would surprise me because he's had more hype on him than Rendon has. But if like someone like I could end up, if I had a vote, he could end up being my fourth vote. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. That's still, I mean, he's got 44 homers, 306 average, a hundred RBIs, uh, 410 OBP, OPS over a thousand, which is still an excellent year. Make no mistake about it. And that might win you an MVP in the National League another year. But this has been a an almost legendary race. And I think he needed to have a stronger second half to outdo Yelich or one of these other guys here. It it wins you an MVP in a year without the juiced ball. <laughs> without what without the juiced ball yeah because <laughs> i think i think some of these home point. run totals are getting a little excessive i think yeah one of the reasons that i like anthony rendon is i think having a ton of home runs is less valuable than it has ever been um mm-hmm. because everybody is hitting a ton of home runs um there are teams i i think it's the dodgers that it might be the twins that have eight guys with 20 or more home runs. Eight. Yeah. Like the twins. Yes. Yeah. Like home runs are less valuable than they have ever been in the history of the sport. And so I think, I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna weigh into this decision. Um, I think guys that drive in runs and get on base, um, are going to kind of come back in vogue here. Um, as this trend of more and more and more home runs continues to continues to get worse and worse, um, I think guys like Anthony Rendon are really going to find a good spot. Yeah. Well, let me see. I want to try one more other number. So what you mentioned here, and I think this is a great point, is Rendon has 75 strikeouts on the season. Yelich has 117. So that's 42 less strikeouts. And I'm a fan of guys yeah. who don't strike out because when you put the ball in play, you give you give fate a chance to do something crazy. Anything can happen when you put the ball in play. When you strike out, there's a 100% chance that you're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas you put the ball in play and you hit it to the shortstop, the shortstop could bobble it. He might airmail a throw. First baseman might slip. Like there's so many different things that could happen. So I I really respect your viewpoint here. One last thing I want to mention. I forgot to throw this in with Yelich. He's got 30 stolen bases. Yeah. And 35, 10 years ago, not a big deal. But that's third most in the National League right now. Uh, Acuna leads with 34. And really, I guess you could say both guys have an 
mm, I guess Acuna has a somewhat realistic chance at 40-40, but I think I mentioned this a month ago. I would love to just see Yelich down the stretch here just steal a ton just to try to get up to 40. He, he could do 10 over 20 games. So, like, uh, if he could get one every other game, just be super aggressive on the base pass, I would love to see that. It won't happen, but uh, I like the stolen bases. That's a fun little uh, addition in his game that you have. Yeah, and and I think it's so rare these days. You know, this year you talk about Mike Trout, uh, Ronald Acuna, and Christian Yelich are really the only guys that are putting up big home run and big stolen base numbers. Um, and I I love stolen bases too, and I think that's kind of an underutilized part of, of every team's offensive game. And so it's very impressive to me. Obviously, I hate it because he's a brewer, but it's very impressive <laughs> to me how well Christian Yelich has done uh, defending his MVP award um, and, you know, he gets on base all the time. He wreaks havoc on the base paths. He's a smart base runner. He has a lot of power. He's good in the field. Um, he's just a great player all the way around. One other thing you could say about the stolen bases, why it means it means even more with Yelich, is he's swiped 30 bags. Do you know how many times he's been caught stealing this season, Jamie? I'm going to go less than five. Two. Wow. That's unbelievable quality. Like, that's quantity and quality. And Acuna has been caught stealing eight times for his 34 bags, which is still good. But I'll give you another comparison. Javi Baez, 11 stolen bases, caught stealing seven times. Yeah. That'll that'll (laughs) hurt you. Yeah. All right, Jamie, this was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. We ended up going almost two hours when we were like, this is going to be a quickie, but we got it done. We had a great time. Is there anything you want to promote or a social media handle or anything of that nature that you would like to plug while you're here? Uh, not really. I'm not too active on social media these days. Um, getting away from it a little bit, but... Um, I do a lot of music-related stuff, um, so look out for some of that from me. You know, if if I decide to put some of that stuff on the internet, it'll <laughs> go on Facebook or something like that. So that's really all it is. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at jwswim1. I I don't even know <laughs> what my Twitter handle is, but we'll go but, with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's where you can find me. Um, there we go. Well, Jamie, this was so much fun. We're going to have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for your time today, sir. For sure. So that does it for my conversation with Jamie Hill. Really fun time just going deep on baseball. And he's one of my favorite guys to go deep on baseball with. He's a swimmer after all. He knows what it means to dive deep and to swim. And we had a great conversation there. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you want to find me on social media, my Twitter handle, I have a new Twitter handle. It is at Jack Vita Show, the name of this podcast. That's my new Twitter handle. Give me a follow. Tweet me. 
Tell me your thoughts on the MVP race or any of these teams, any of the subjects we covered today. Would love to have you find me on there. Love interacting with folks. So go ahead and do that. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We do have a YouTube channel. I'm going to need to put a little more work into that YouTube channel soon. But wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe. That way you will always be the first one to receive the episode when it's new. You'll never miss an episode. And leave a review on iTunes It if you have iTunes. It's a lot for the podcast to have some five-star ratings there, some reviews, and just the subscriber numbers are really, really helpful. That's a great way that you can give back to this podcast if you are enjoying it. Coming up later on the podcast this week or next week, however you want to look at it, Sunday night, I'm going to have a fun NFL Week 2 recap show. I've got a guy named Max Rice. He's going to come over. We're going to do this in studio, and we'll recap the day's action uh, in football. But he's a funny guy. It should be a fun show. So look for that on Monday, most likely, potentially Tuesday, but probably Monday. Other than that, I'm done for now. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and I look forward to talking to you guys next time. Bring in the dancing lobsters. 